Let us turn then to our scripture reading, which comes to us from Genesis 16, beginning to read with verse 9, and right to the end of the chapter, verse uh, 16. Genesis 16, 9 through 16. The angel of the Lord said to her, that is Hagar, return to your mistress and submit yourself under her hand. Then the angel of the Lord said to her, I will multiply your descendants exceedingly so that they shall not be counted for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, you are with child, and you shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord has heard your affliction. He shall be a wild man. His hand shall be against every man, and every man's hand against him, and he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. Then she called the name of the Lord, who spoke to her, You are the God who sees. For she said, Have I also here seen him who sees me? Therefore the well was called Bir Lahai Roy. Observe, it is between Kadesh and Bered. So Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram named his son, whom Hagar bore, Ishmael. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to Abram. May the Lord bless this reading to our good understanding. The title of the sermon is Positively a Negative Family, or you could, you could entitle it, A Reprobate Family Succeeds. It's just the strangest thing, but it shows us uh, many, many people in the Reformed uh, faith do not understand how God works negatively, or he works in an affirmed way, in a positive way in the sense that it will actually happen, but he works with really negative circumstances. And he works powerfully with these negative circumstances so that very often the very things that we pray for, oh, God, take these things away from us, these things have been ordained by God. And uh, one of the, we, we showed a couple weeks ago when we were dealing with this how the whole Islamic phenomenon that rose up in the 600s and the 7th century, that all of that has come from this prophecy, because uh, Islam and Muhammad uh, were descendants from Ishmael. They understand that, that's part of their theology, and really they're very proud of it. And uh, as I said at that time, they think that because Ishmael was born uh, basically 10 years before Isaac, that Ishmael is really the blessed son of Abraham, not Isaac. So there's a theological contention that arises out of that chronological development where Ishmael is born first. But uh, what we see here in the end is that this, this amazing, amazingly, uh, amazingly ironic situation of where all the positive things that are said about Ishmael are qualified by the negative. And yet we see that God does work so strongly to bring these things to pass. 
And there's no other passage in the Bible that, that relates so specifically and um, so powerfully to the modern secular political development of the world. I'm thinking not of Republican and Democratic uh, politics, but in terms of Islamic versus Christian politics. And yet it's all here, way back in the 16th chapter of the book of Genesis. Now, uh, what's neat about this is that, that this is part of our, our series on the family. This is uh, Certainly this is theological. Certainly it has great significance in terms of theology. But it's also so readily apparent that this takes place within the uh, uh, the universe of the family. And that as God works with families, he works with Abraham's family, and he now is going to show us that he's going to work with Hagar's family. In, the, in my book, Lifestyle, I, I show and I argue how God oftentimes works along two different tracks in the scripture. One of the tracks is the attract of the elect, the other is the attract of the track of the reprobate and the track of the, quote, secular, the track of the six days. One of the tracks has to do with the blessedness of the seventh day, the blessing of the Sabbath, and all that that entails. Then the other blessing has to do with the other six days, and oftentimes how the reprobate, how those who are unsaved, actually excel the church of Christ in their power and their abilities and their success. And that's kind of where this passage that we have this morning comes. And if you don't understand the Genesis dichotomy, if you don't understand the six-day, seventh-day uh, dichotomy, uh, these things are very confusing in the Bible. You just don't understand the foundations of them. But if you see that this is one of the basic ways that God works in the Bible, then it all makes sense, and you can better understand it as you, as you go through it. So <clears throat> I want to take this in terms of, I want to study it in terms of the family, and I want us all to think especially of our families. Because what this passage shows us is that you can be a family that is fairly successful, and in fact successful beyond the other families of the earth. And yet, if it is not tied to the Lord, and in this passage it speaks of it in terms of the covenant, if your family is not covenantal, you can have all the success, and yet in the end, you will fail. And on the other hand, you can be a Christian family, you can fail in this world, and ultimately you will succeed. Because we see that God's God has two blessings here. Each track, as it goes through history, has a blessing. But one is a deeper blessing than the other. One is only superficial, one is only... Um, extant in terms of the physical things of this world. The other is in terms of the spiritual things of this world. So which kind of a family do you want to be? What, what kind of a family are you right now? Are you aiming for the things of Ishmael? Or are you aiming for the things of Isaac? Uh, Ishmael got his blessings first, ten years before Isaac. He began to enjoy the blessings of the flesh, the blessings of this world. But ultimately, Isaac was born. Ultimately, God's promises came to pass. And ultimately, the spiritual blessings of the covenant began to anoint Abraham and Isaac 
and their family, Isaac, Isaac, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the 12 tribes of Israel, who ultimately bore to us the, the Lamb of God, even Jesus Christ. So let us look at this family, and um, we'll, we'll draw some things out of this text that are really beautiful. Number one, I've got in the notes, the, this is a positive prophecy of negative stuff. There's no hint at the beginning that this is really a negative thing. This is, it doesn't begin like a television show about bad things with the music, dun, 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 you know, uh, uh, music that goes downward into the bass notes. No, it, it begins in verse 9. It says, The angel of the Lord said to her, Return to your mistress and submit yourself under her hand. Then the angel of the Lord said to her. So this all comes from a special angelic prophecy. So we know that it's the positive will of God. God is in control of the angels. God filled up this angel with the announcements that it had to announce. And so there's no sense here of what in the world we call dualism, where there are two powers that are going on, good and evil. This is all the power of good, but under the power of good, under the hand of the Lord, under the strength of his power, we see a negative circumstance develop. And that is the, the birth and the life of this young man, uh, Ishmael, and all that his life would entail. It entailed problems back then, uh, the Ishmaelites were ancient enemies of Judaism and Israel, and then it entailed uh, the progeny of Ishmael, namely Islam, Muhammad, Islam, and the problems that they would do. And, and uh, uh, tw twice, now thrice in world history, we see where the children of Islam, the children of Ishmael, have attempted to take over the world and its governments. Back in the, sixth, the seventh century, it happened. They ended up taking over the whole Mediterranean world, inv invading um, even Spain, uh, coming up from the, the, the east uh, toward Europe. Um, ultimately, that was, that was negated and pushed back a little bit then at the time of the Reformation, when God raised up the Reformation, Luther, Calvin, in the, in the uh, 1500s. Again, Islam awoke. And uh, it actually captured places in Austria, Eastern Austria. The war was vigorous at that time. Again, uh, God raised up the opponents of the church at the very time that he's raising up the church. And uh, in the 20th century, <clears throat> these children of Ishmael were moribund, which is a really fancy word for appearing death-like. It seemed like there was nothing going on. If you read Islamic books at that time, Islamic history books, many of the writers were depressed. They were confused. This was after World War I. Uh, Turkey, which was the main Islamic country at the time, had sided with Germany that lost, and so Turkey lost, and the resulting peace accords after that war. But... Uh, Losing is never nice in war. And so Islam, along with Turkey, received many, many punishments. And the land was taken away. The, uh, the power of Turkey was shredded in many, many ways. And so Islam wondered, what, what in the world is going on? But even then, you see, God had his, his secrets in terms of history going on. 
Because what was going on at that time after World War I? Oil was gurgling beneath the surface. So at the very time that Islam wondered, what's become of us? How, what, how, can, how can God have turned his back on us so much when we have these prophecies about us? At that very time, the Lord was about to open up the earth, the internal combustion engine, and the things were going to become much more developed in that way. And as the, boil, as the oil was pumped forth from these Islamic lands, Islam's star, if you will, began to rise. And they thought, ah, this is what this is our natural habitat. This is our natural inheritance. This is our glory. So that's where we are today. And all of this happened back then. Now, this is a positive prophecy about this. And the angel says, um, return to your mistress, that is Sarah. Remember, she and Sarah were having these tremendous problems. Once she got pregnant, she began to harass Sarah and contend against her. And so Sarah sent her away. But the angel of the Lord came to her and said, return to Sarah. Uh, I will multiply your descendants exceedingly so that they shall not be counted for a multitude. So here we have a positive prophecy. It doesn't explain the prosperity of Ishmael, but it definitely says here's this woman who was driven out, who seemed to have no prospects. She thought she was a vagabond upon the earth, without solace, without house, without home, without roof. The angel comes and he says, Return to Sarah, for I shall bless Ishmael. Ishmael was then born, we see in, in the end of this text. Ishmael was born. And uh, Ishmael le lived as um, the happy adornment of, of Abraham's house for almost for about 10 years until uh, little Isaac was finally born. So, uh, Ishmael had all the early advantages, and uh, this was a prophecy of this, and the, prop, the, positive, the prophecy is basically positive. Uh, and um, people will say, well, how can God, how can God sound so positive in this case? And there are more, there's more of this in the next chapter, uh, after verse... Uh, verse 20 of chapter 17, God speaks of both Ishmael and Isaac and the blessings that will accord to both of them. And we'll refer to that in, in just a moment or later. But um, uh, there's all this positive stuff. Now, God does, he, without sounding really positive or negative about it, God does distinguish between the two blessings. And we'll, we'll see how uh, involved that is and how Subtle that is, but in this case, there's a positive prophecy about this negative stuff. And um, as God speaks here about the negative stuff, and he says this will certainly come to pass, and we see that it has come to pass, what we need to see is that uh, this is obviously God's will. This is not a mistake. You know, in, in the various dualisms of things like Star Wars, it's like uh, the negative things happen, but they're kind of, just a chaotic occurrence, and they're not supposed to happen, but they happen, and then, but good will happen too, and then there'll be this mixture, and, you know, somehow this will, good and evil will go on forever. Well, this is not that way in the Bible. This is negative stuff, but it's, it's by God's will. And in systematic theology, we have a, we have a, we have terminology for this, uh, the, in the systematics, you can talk, you can learn about the two wills of God. There's the, 
the scriptural will or the, the declarative will of God, which you have in the scripture. And then there's the secret, uh, eternal, immutable um, will of God that come by the decrees of God. And they, they don't always work in perfect symmetry. They will work in perfect symmetry, ultimately. But they don't always, here's a case where they're not working in perfect symmetry. Because God is saying here, I'm going to, I'm going to give you a son, Ishmael, who is not going to be spiritually mature. He's not going to be spiritually pure. He's going to have all kinds of problems in his life. He's going to cause you all kinds of problems. We say, well, why did God do this? Why would God bring a negative along like this? It's just simply because it's part of God's decreed will. God has an eternal plan for the world. God has these decrees that come to pass. They're not all positive in the easy-to-understand positive way. Ultimately, they will all be positive. They're, they often are contrary to the word of God. God says in the Bible, the very first commandment, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and thy soul and thy mind. Thou shalt have no other gods besides me. He yet, yet he raises up here a family whose God will be other than him. How can God do this? Again, you see there these two wills of God. One, uh, the scriptural will, the declared will in the Bible. The other, the secret decretal will. They work together, but they, it's not always apparent how they do. And this is a wonderful example of that. If you've ever studied the, the, that theological point, this is a wonderful illustration of exactly that and how it, uh, it's part of understanding the Bible. Now, the second point is that <clears throat> uh, there, this, there is earthly positive stuff. Verse 10 says that the angel said, I will multiply your descendants exceedingly so that they shall not be counted for a multitude. Why is that positive? Well, because the world loves popularity, does it not? The world loves numbers. One of the problems that we have with the modern church growth movement in, in, in evangelicalism is that it's the evangelical church in love with numbers, if you will. They, they determine everything by numbers. If you can get more members of your church by having a big parking lot, or if you can have more members in your church by having a popular music program, then do it because numbers rule. Numbers are more important than theology. So this mentioning of a multitude is no insignificant thing. Another great enterprise that values numbers is the Vatican. The Roman Catholic Church, they love numbers. They love great cathedrals. They love this and they love that. They're more concerned about numbers than they are about truth. That's why they didn't repent at the time of the Reformation when Luther went and challenged them with the scriptures. But they, they, they put numbers ahead of truth. Babylon Soviet Russia, international Marxism. You know, the difference between Hitler and Stalin was that, that Hitler represented a national Mar uh, socialism. Stalin represented international socialism. So they fought, they fought about that. One, they had different interp interp interpretations of, of, uh, of socialism. But 
international Marxism has been extremely popular since the Second World War. Um, the Chinese Revolution was part of that. The Vietnamese um, um, uh, affinity for Marxism. All of that's tied with this universal movement. Uh, humanism is very much involved with numbers and with popularity. And we see in chapter 17, verse 20, that I just referred to, uh, God says to Ishmael, or for Ishmael, he says, And as for Ishmael, I have heard you. Behold, I have blessed him, and will make him fruit, fruitful, and multiply him exceedingly. He shall beget twelve princes, and I will make him a great nation. So the blessing that was to go upon Ishmael was positive in a sense. It was positive in the way that the world delights in positive things. But it was not the full orbed or full, fully depth positivism that God can bring. And so... Um, the fourth heading here, it, uh, talking about the subtle yet significant differences, that really comes out. That really comes out in chapter seventeen, where God says, verse twenty: As for Ishmael, I have heard you. Behold, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful and will multiply him exceedingly. Exceedingly, I will make him a great nation. But he says in verse twenty-one: My covenant I will establish with Isaac. Whom Sarah shall bear to you at this time, at this set time next year. So the big difference between the two children is one was a child of the covenant, one was a child outside the covenant. One was a child of covenant love, the other was a child of covenant um, uh, secularism. Secular basically means outside of the building or outside of the holiness of God. And so the blessings of the one was to be physical, outward. And the, the danger of this is when we, when we look at our families and we say, what, what is the success that we want for our families? Many of the ethnicity, many of the different ethnic groups in the world are famous. You think about uh, humor in the different ethnicity groups. And um, they, they want their children to be uh, prosperous. In the outward way, um, the, the Jewish mother that they in humor uh, talks about this. All, you know, if you want, if you want, if you want success, you want to be a doctor or a lawyer or something like that. I know I have, I have Indian friends; they have the same thing in India, uh, where um, success is measured in, by money and by the outward abundance that you have. And so this is Ishmael written all over. Not only is Ishmael going to be abundant in terms of numbers, but he's going to have he's going to have rule. There will be twelve rulers or twelve uh, 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 powers within this branch of the human family, and and uh, it will be good in that sense. The problem is that this is the way we so often think in the flesh, and so. When people want success for their families, they often think of these physical things first, and they overlook the spiritual things. And so 
even in Christianity, very often there's this mistake made where people are focusing on the physical, the outward, the apparent, instead of the inward and the spiritual and the hidden and the godly. So which kind of a family are you going to have? Are you going to, are you, is your family going to appear more Ishmaelic? Or is your family going to appear more like an Isaac uh, and Abraham and Jacob family? This is what lies before us in terms of, of the families that we will have. <clears throat> and if we look at what is, uh, uh, what will come here in terms of uh, Ishmael, in verse 12, we see that there is also negative stuff. He shall be a wild man. His hand shall be against every man and every man's hand against him. And he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. Now that sounds so negative. You'd say, well, how could anybody possibly succeed like that? But the, the problem is that that's exactly what's happened. The, uh, Ishmael and his, his uh, progeny, have always been fighting amongst themselves, and yet God has propped them up. God has prospered them outwardly. And so despite all of these internecine conflicts that they have, they have outwardly prospered. If you look up the history of Islam, even in Wikipedia, which tends to be left-leaning in its development, but if you look in Wikipedia on the history of Islam, you will see right from the very beginning of Islam, you'll see this uh, the assassinations that went on. It's unbelievable. It's worse than the Roman history. However, the assassinations that they had in Rome, the, the conflicts, the conflicts between Islamic cities, the, the killing. But they, you know, one thing that Islam has down, they have a lot of children. So no matter how many people are wiped out in one generation, there are many more to take their place in the next generation. Exactly like we see here. Behold, you are with child, you shall bear a son. He shall, uh, because the Lord heard your affliction, he'll be, a, he'll be a multitude, there'll be princes that will come from him, and yet he will be a wild man. His hand will be against every man, and every man's hand will be against him, and he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. So there's this positive thing, stuff, but there's also lots of negative stuff. Because at root, Ishmael's family is not at peace. It's outside of the covenant. It does not have Christ. Christ is the core of the covenant. All of the covenant of the Old Testament focuses upon these prophecies of Christ who was to come. And the Christ who was to come uh, orders a new covenant. We had, we had a, his dinner last week. He says, this cup is the new covenant in my name. It's the Messianic covenant. So we go from the Mosaic covenant to the Messianic covenant because Christ fulfills every part of the old covenant. And whereas Ishmael was blessed outwardly, Isaac and his clan was blessed inwardly. And there's the spiritual growth and there's this uh, love of God. I, I, I like to speak of it in terms of the love of God. It's not just the rules. It's the enjoyment of the living God. When we sing our psalms and worship, we are rejoicing before the Lord. We're happy in Christ. Every dimension of God, as I prayed this morning, every attribute of God, it's powerful, it's mighty, which Islam would enjoy, but it's also full of love. And Islam knows very little 
about the love of God or the love of each other as the human being goes. And so here we see this in prophetic form as the angel goes and, and speaks to Hagar about this uh, this coming son. We are the children today. Does, does this not teach us so much about the family? What kind of a family will we have? We can have a successful family without having Christ, but we can be more apparently successful than other families without Christ. We can have rule. We can have families that create rulers and fiefdoms and kingdoms without Christ. But they will not be happy families. Happy in the sense, not of outward joviality, but happy in the sense of inward contentment and peace with God. Because only Christ and the covenant bring us peace with God and true spiritual happiness. So here we have the portrait of a possibility for us. We can either be elect families or we can be reprobate families, families that are lost, families without Christ. Let us all desire to be the children of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We'll leave Ishmael to others, but we will take the better part. Let us close in prayer. Our Father and our God, we pray that like Mary of old, that we might esteem Christ, that we that others might be busy with the things of this world, but we must have our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the pearl of grace price that must be obtained. With Christ, we have a true inheritance. And, in, and with Christ, in the end, the Bible says many will come unto the Lord. Psalm 47 says that the whole world will be part of his family, his multitude. Even though the families of Ishmael and humanism and whatever else were popular first, in the end only the popularity of Christ will count. Let us all esteem Christ in the covenant, Christ in the covenant and the Christ of the covenant, the covenant that explains to us and is fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us cast off apparent success for real success. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.